This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. Bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're at. And today I have Todd Manns with me from Blue Cell. And we're going to be talking about the practical application of incident command. And the other question I have for this is should it be overhauled? And so we all know what the, over, the, the, the incident command system is, those of us in emergency management and response, at least we should. And it's been around, you know, well, probably realistically in some form or fashion for hundreds of years. Um, but the, you know, what we think about incident command today is what Firescope brought out in the 1970. And it's been, so it's been a while, uh, 52, 53 years, something like that, uh, since it kind of got, got put together and implemented in 1970, which is 51 years ago. And uh, so, Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Good to uh, be with you again, my uh, twin brother. Todd Absolutely. <laughs> we are twins, if you guys can't tell. Uh, the two Todds are here, and uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff. So, Todd, I know you've been out doing some ICS training um, as of late, uh, especially, you know, uh, last couple of years, you know, things have been kind of going crazy. And I know you've been talking to uh, to some law enforcement as well. Are they are they accepting ICS as it is? I would say so. Uh, you know, obviously, the big issue last year that everyone is fully aware of was uh, COVID. And uh, interestingly enough, we had gotten involved uh, previous to that with some kind of interesting ICS application in law enforcement missions, um, kind of specifically around uh, civil unrest. So as of late, you know, we've been doing a little bit of uh, getting back in the classroom live training with some major uh, police departments around the country, but more importantly, our virtual work because of COVID along the lines of ICS has really exploded where uh, obviously with the platform capability of being able to talk to students wherever they are in the world, uh, we've really gone international with that, which would include law enforcement folks, but uh, also a lot of bread and butter. A lot of uh, U.S. Forest Service folks came to us this year to get their 300, 400 training which I found very interesting and, and interesting that you had, had cited Firescope. So, you know, to some extent, the more things change, the more they somewhat stay the same. That's kind of uh, what we're finding uh, with our trainings, whether they be uh, in the classroom, traditional setting, or from our uh, location here in Denver that we've set up. So with, with Incident Command, as being as it is right now, and, and we kind of have this almost like, I don't know, religious adherence to, to what, it, to what it is. And there's the ICS purist out there. Um, you know, you, you know, filling out your, your forms by number and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, it seems to, it works right in, in one aspect of it, but with, with other areas, it just, it really needs to be modified, right. A little bit, because I mean, incident command um, can get out of hand, <laughs> can get out of hand uh, in, in some aspects, right. When you talk about, you know, say a quick, a fast moving event, right? You know, does it slow, slow down that process for this fast moving event? Does ICS, does the incident command system 
do we need to overhaul it or is it good as it is? Well, I think, uh, you know, overhaul would be to completely scrap the system, I would think. And, and I don't think that that's the case. I think because incident command is a system of management, if we think about it from that context, right, and other systems of management like that you can learn in higher education, we're not overhauling how we do business management, but the application by different businesses, the application to different situations, that's what we have to really get better at. So, you know, the Harvard Business School is not overhauling business management, but that doesn't mean that everyone's going to apply it the exact same way. So I think it's more important that we actually embrace the system more to understand the fundamentals to then figure out how do we apply it to something as unique as a worldwide pandemic that affects every single person in the world for over a year. There's no book for that. And there is no one way to do it with that reg from that regard. But the fundamentals have to stay the same. Otherwise, we will have wasted about uh, $500 million <laughs> and really have, we'll be starting from, from zero and probably in worse shape than we were pre-9-11. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't disagree with you on that. You know, one of the things I find interesting about, you know, when I, when I taught incident command systems is you take a look at it and it's realistically, it's, it's, it's been proven to work uh, basically since the Roman empire, maybe even Alexander the great, maybe even uh, used a something, something, something like this, right. Logistics, sure. moving troops, you know, I mean, they had to have a system, right. right? Um, and, and, and that being said, so we have to have something. And this right. has been this has been worked out, like I said, 51 years ago when Firescope really kind of played it out. But what I found interesting is that when we start talking to other disciplines outside of fire, um, you, you see a lot of pushback on the concepts of incident command, and especially when it comes to law enforcement. Now, like I said in the beginning, you've been teaching law enforcement here a bit. Are they now in I'm going to say general. I don't want to put that broad brush, but are you starting to see more acceptance of incident command in law enforcement than the pushback that we've had for the last, say, 20 years? Yeah, I would say uh, that's uh, absolutely the case. And, you know, the necessity, you know, of, of having to have a system when you're dealing with something outside of the context of a traffic stop or a no-knock warrant, i.e. civil unrest, suddenly there was a, a big realization that if we've got a lot of different moving parts, a lot of different objectives, different units coming to assist us, and it's going to go on for more than eight hours, we're going to have to do something. We're probably going to have to have an incident commander. We're probably going to have to write an incident action plan. So I would say that... Uh, necessity being the mother of invention or in this case necessity being the mother of acceptance of the system that we've been trying to do since uh you know 9-11 in the formal sense but even before that in the other disciplines that was kind of the reality that i think was brought to bear uh, when you start thinking about you know some of those scenarios where i've got to have public works as a as a helper in uh, what we're doing and I've got to have a strong media capability that has to be somewhat controlled. Uh, that's where I think uh, in a lot of communities last summer realized that. And then you had communities that uh, certainly were trying to deal with both of those problems at the same time, right? 
So you, you had the, the civil unrest and then you also had COVID going on. Well, now you're going to run out of people if you only have one incident management team. And all those folks that sat through 300 are trying to figure out where they put their book and what website do I go to. And wait a minute, I'm the logistics section chief. Does that mean I just get the food? No, right. it's beyond that. And so that is uh, making it an exciting time, I think, for how we're going to apply these concepts of management moving forward. That's kind of what we see here with the calls that come into our office and the customers that we're working with. Absolutely. You know, Elaine says um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's so integrated into police to be self-reliant, working as a team and moving away from tactical uh, more towards management is tough for them. And I, that's one of the things I always find interesting too, is I think, you know, fire, take a look at a, a daily fire operation, right? Where a, a, a fire truck responds to an incident and there's already three or four people on that truck, right? right. Where, you know, the average police department has one officer uh, in the vehicle and he's handling it until he feels or she feels that they can't handle it anymore. Right. right? So, <clears throat> Um, so maybe that's just that, that mental mindset that, that's there. Uh, how do, how do you make that shift from I'm the individual person making all the decisions, um, until I feel I need help to the four people running to a call that already working with a captain who's in charge, an engineer running the water and two firefighters doing their thing. Exactly. Um, a common question that we deal with all the time. Uh, this week, for example, we've got two ICS 400s going on virtually, one for West Virginia Ag, one with about 40-plus students of our own that are from all over the country with different backgrounds and different applications. Here's how we try to answer that. The incident command system is a system of management. It's not a system of tactics. So you have to be able to make that mental break from what is the tactic put out the fire, catch the bad guy, inoculate the person that's in line to how do I manage the problem from a planning logistics and finance perspective. So that's the shift that has to be made. And you have to have strong, talented leaders that recognize that and are able and willing to make that shift. That is the biggest challenge that we see from that ICS 200 level to ICS 300 and 400 level. And so just like in business, some are going to be better at that than others. Some will prosper more than others. Some will kind of take that on and understand it better than others. In business, the problem is, of course, if you can't do that, you go out of business. In government, we don't really have that as an option. So we have to continue to work with folks to find that understanding and that's where you know incident management teams become really uh, a great tool for a community a region a state to tap into that mindset and have that capability uh, certainly right now if no matter where you are in the country you may be seeing that we're burning up here in the west we've got folks uh, my folks deploying all over on major fires well those fo folks are on qualified type one type two teams and you don't have to have that conversation about the difference between tactics and management with them. But there's reality to the fact that the rest of us in all of these other jurisdictions have to also understand it because we've got to hold the fort until the cavalry shows up. 
So that's uh, the biggest way that we try to explain it. The incident command system is not a system of tactics. It's a system of management. I, I want to talk about incident management teams here for a minute and just kind of, I'm going to preview something really quick. So I'm going to be working with the All Hazard Incident Management Team Association um, starting next month. And we're going to have somebody from their organization on um, once a month to discuss all incident management teams and, and, and realistically how, how we can work within them and, and use them. Um, I, I think it's interesting that we've seen some jurisdictions apply incident management teams to the COVID crisis. Um, realistically, just in a, in a quick nutshell for everybody who doesn't understand them, what's the difference between, like, say, an incident management team and then, say, a city just using the EOC? So the concept of an incident management team would be a identified group of specifically trained and or qualified and credentialed individuals, uh, usually by position, that uh, can be brought in to help with whatever the problem is. Any jurisdiction has to understand and, and know how to work through, I've got a problem and now it's bigger than our normal capability. When you are a jurisdiction, you have two problems when that's happening. You have the problem that's kind of engendered you needing some specialized managers, and you have the rest of your jurisdiction, whatever that is whatever size that is. So conceptually, an incident management team takes on a very specific problem with a very specific set of individuals. The Emergency Operations Center has to actually watch both of those issues. When the EOC opens, it needs to be able to handle more than one thing. So consequence managers, by definition, are opening to support whoever's dealing with the big incident able to take a phone call or deal with the rest of the jurisdiction and in reality take on another incident should it come up. And that is usually the biggest difference between, in my mind, a incident command post, incident management team, incident commander in the field, and the EOC. When the EOC opens, it needs to be able to do more than one thing. It needs to be able to chew gum and walk at the same time. And so, uh, unfortunately, Sometimes we're opening the EOC just to deal with that problem, and we're not even thinking about the rest of the jurisdiction. Well, right. as a taxpayer, I have a problem with that because somebody's got to watch my back, and somebody's got to be ready to answer the call if something else were to come up. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be able to chew gum, walk, juggle, and drink coffee all at the same time. That's so. exactly right, and that is really the role, in my opinion, of the EOC, whereas an incident commander has a single set of objectives that are specific to a problem and they're managing by objectives on let's say an operational period basis that's the biggest difference hey we're gonna jump into a quick break right now and when we come back i want to talk about some of the training that you're doing and i really want to talk about some of the challenges specifically associated with training The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high quality first aid kits their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limits Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical, user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. 
Enter Ian Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com. We all know emergency management is dynamic. What you need to know and do can cover all kinds of fields and change on a dime. When choosing a partner, you want someone just as dynamic to help you keep up. The Mid-Atlantic Center for Emergency Management Public Safety is just that, a FEMA partner and one-stop shop for college academics, custom training and consulting. They cover it all and bring you the best of each. So whether you're looking to start your degree, go back to school, train your people, or anything in between, they're here for you. See what you can build together at frederick.edu backslash M-A-C-E-M-P-S. That's M-A-C-E-M-P-S. Power outages can happen at any time. Is your community prepared? The Power Up Solar Power Charging Trailer can be used to address the need for temporary power for your community. In addition, the Power Up Solar Power Charging Trailer can provide a platform to support your public information and community resiliency outreach efforts throughout the year to educate and inform people about the need to always be ready. For more information, visit PowerUpConnect.com. That is PowerUpConnect.com. The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limit Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical, user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. Enter Ian Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com. Hey, welcome back for that quick break. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors because without them, we could not bring you the quality content that we bring you. And hey, real quick, Todd. Hey, uh, just let you know, I am going to be in November. I'm going to be in New York City at the Natural Disasters and Emergency Management Expo, and we're doing this pretty unique thing. We're actually going to uh, do a live stream and uh, uh, on the stage uh, coming out of New York City. So I'm pretty excited about this. And so sounds yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super stoked. I'm also going to be at IEM conference too, speaking a little bit. So got got a lot of stuff going on. Are you going to go to any of those? I'm not sure. I'm not a big uh, go-to-conference kind of guy. I might send someone, though. I've got a staff that uh, has been bugging me to get back out there and and press the flesh with uh, with customers and that type of thing. So there's a possibility you'll see some blue cell capabilities around. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually am excited about uh, the going live again, you know, kind of coming out of this uh, back into COVID and getting some that stuff. And that being said, you know, let's talk about some in-classroom training that you guys what, – so what kind of training stuff do you have coming up? So the biggest thing, obviously, that we've still been uh, just pounding away at is our virtual ICS 300-400. Uh, we've got classes scheduled throughout the rest of the year. We've got folks that are signing up from all over the country, other parts of the world even, which I never thought would necessarily happen. Uh, we're supporting a number of states with uh, continued effort with the G courses, and we have a unique uh, relationship with the state of Colorado. 
So they're actually doing our certificates for us unless the state is going to uh, do those uh, directly on their own. So folks who are still trying to finish up their advanced professional series, that's the majority of the customers that we're seeing. They've got one or two classes uh, that they're still trying to, to finish that out. Uh, we're certainly uh, you know, supporting that. In the field, we're doing um, our traditional ICS courses uh, starting next week. We're back doing like 400 the way we've always done it. Uh, and then also really finishing up some position-specific training uh, around the country. And these are mostly folks that uh, we probably had on a schedule at some point, but those things got disrupted last year. The biggest thing that we now are really looking at, uh, the position-specific classes, the 900 series, those are great courses, uh, particularly if you are uh, pursuing a task book, trying to get credentialed, or you're on a um, incident management team. But based on the number of people, and this are, these are clean statistics that we've gotten from a federal agency that took either 700, 100, or 200, going back to the beginning, uh, that number is north of 4 million folks. Wow. I would venture to say, and we're going to gamble on this just a little bit and, and go out on a limb and say, most of those folks are not going to go to the 900 series course. So what we're actually working on now is a new product line that gives a little bit additional understanding from what you would get in 300, 400 for a specific position. And we're designing it in such a way, the, the curriculum is designed in such a way that we, we treat adults. Oh, man, we just lost Todd. Oh, we'll get him back here in a second. It's some good stuff. You know, some of the questions I was going to ask Todd, you know, about specifically on training, and, and Todd, if you can hear me uh, when you come back in, maybe you can pick it up, um, is like I, I've, I've noticed like we, we're going through the training stuff, and you go, okay, here's the situation. Um, all of us that have done training and have run training courses, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've you know, witnessed this. It says, okay, there's this incident. You need to, you need, you need to order um, X amount of equipment, whatever it is, the bulldozers, right? You need five bulldozers. And then, so the logistics guy goes, okay, here's your five bulldozers. And it's like, how do you add in that, um, realistic time frame that like you don't get them like it's there's no beam me up scotty and all of a sudden your bulldozers are there and that's one of those, those challenges i had when i was teaching ics 300 400 um of, of having a realism i mean you can't have, obviously have a, a full time zone on it because it, you know by the time that your class is over uh you would uh uh you would be there but the the thing here is that um getting getting that realism realistic training going on um, is, is hard to do. And, and I know that Todd, um, his group does a really great job in, in really adding some realism to the training uh, when you're going through this. So you can't just go like, Boop, you know, here's my, here's my stuff. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of bummed out that uh, we lost connection, um, but we're still working on, on getting that back because Todd has some really great information uh, to share regarding that training and, and how, and how it works, you know, and then moving training, realistically from that on ground in, into the classroom training uh, to online, um, you know, people uh, have had some, you know, heartache, you know, regarding how does that work? But think about this right now, when we we're doing the COVID response, we had so many virtual EOCs that, that were open uh, because they, they didn't want people to have face to face, right. Because of, you know, COVID restrictions. Um, and so realistically we were working 
remotely, right? So the online ICS training, the online training, realistically is real world now, right? And so I, I don't think there should be so much pushback on on what we're doing um, with that training. Um, yeah, it says, um, it says I'm, I'm actually... Eileen says, I'm actually doing both all hazard logistics planning section chief in the next few weeks. The task books requ- uh, require them. And that's the other thing too, is, is we're moving to, to the task books for the, for the position training. I think that's really important to get done as well. Um, Randy Collins from the all hazard incident management team, president of, of that organization. And I uh, were, were talking um, the other day regarding what is the difference between the training um, and the task book. And, and, um, what it comes down to it is like you could take a class and, and you could do really well in the book or, or, or pass a test. Right. But does that mean that you actually have a understanding uh, of the role um, when you're in the field? And so going and doing that task book portion of it, uh, I think is critical because um, then you go and you said, okay, I've actually done it. And you get signed off, right. You get those, you know, those three signatures on there. Um, so you can see you're actually proficient in what you're doing. And number one, it gives everybody around you that you're working the uh, the comfort that you know what you're doing. Number two, um, when you go back to your organization and say, look, I, I have to go to these uh, live events. I have to go get actual hands-on with working with somebody. Uh, it, it allows you to go and do mutual aid, allows you to go and actually get some practical experience. I think those are important. So I don't, for those that are, are pushing back on, on doing the task books, um, you, you really need to to embrace that and, and do it. And I, I love the idea that we have these now for EOCs, not just, uh, not just in the field for instance, management teams, but you're seeing uh, uh, EOC specific positions guides uh, with a task book associated with it, just like we would do uh, with Firescope with uh, the incident command system and, and uh, being out in the field. That was some of the stuff that we're going to be discussing. Well, everybody, you know what? Um, see if we can get Todd back on here. If not, um, well, maybe we'll end just a little bit earlier today. Uh, I'm kind of uh, kind of bummed out that we we lost connection, but things happen. You know, this is the, the problem with live shows, I guess, and we have to keep going. Um, well, hey, it's a pleasure having everybody here today. And I'm sorry that it ended the way it did. Uh, we'll we'll get Todd back on so we can finish that conversation about training and, and how important it is. Um, I, I think it's a, a great conversation to have. So that being said, again, we have some cool stuff coming up. Um, we have today, uh, right after this, we're having our uh, Jessica Jensen's coming on for a live webinar. Uh, that will be happening here at 11 o'clock my time. Uh, so here in the Pacific. And I'm looking forward to that conversation uh, in July. Oh, there's Todd. He's back. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> that's that's okay. Did you hear anything I was talking about? Uh, yeah. No, I didn't hear anything you were talking about. Actually, you were talking about some of the things you have coming up, right? Right. Yeah. Before that, though, uh, what I was trying to, what I was going to ask you is when you're doing the, when you're doing the training and, and, um, one of the, the difficulties, I suppose, for me, like when I was teaching ICS 300 and 400, is your logistics section is like, okay, you know, somebody goes, I need, you know, five bulldozers. And they put the chit in to get the five bulldozers. And then a second later, logistics is like, here's your five bulldozers. It's like, how do, how do you add in some realism to the, the timeline without, you know, obviously you wouldn't be able to have. <laughs> oh, in, in training or in yeah. exercise? Exercise, you know, either, yeah. Either yeah. one, there's a couple of techniques that we might use that uh, will simulate that. I mean, we'll run clocks sometimes that you at least get a little bit of realism. And then the other thing that we find is if we give a little bit of information, 
that would be realistic um, before we would, okay, automatically, okay, you magically have X and, and you're ready to go. That certainly helps, and, and we use those techniques certainly in our exercise uh, program. I'm not sure what you caught before whatever happened here in the building, um, but I was kind of talking about you know where we're trying to go with position-specific training and our own program there. Did you guys did you catch that or no? We just started getting that, and then that's when you that we lost you. So our idea is simply because we believe there are a number of folks who um, will not necessarily be going to the 900 training for a week, but need additional information. Um, we're we're going to build a program along those lines that are that are geared for adults. So there's a pre-work aspect. There's a learning management system work on your own aspect. But then bringing folks into our virtual environment based on the position to actually talk to a qualified instructor that is qualified in the position and then go through some of those intricacies, let's say for logistics or planning or resource unit leader, and then doing a virtual exercise where they're in the position. We think that's going to be a very viable way to get that information in a eight to 12 hour time frame and then assign them a mentor from our staff that you have access to for your future incidents because that was a lot of what we were dealing with in the last year from a deployment perspective customers calling during COVID and saying i have a question about x i'm not sure how we should be doing this we just had a meeting and this is what came out of it so we were doing a lot of mentorship kind of ad hoc and I'd like to design a program that kind of solves all those issues without you having to go back to EMI for seven days if you're coming from the west right. uh, with travel because it's just it's a long time for your boss to have you gone from your desk so Todd one of the things that I and when I was talking about this when when you're gone was there was pushback for for a lot, right? For doing online training, kind of what you're talking about, because you know the oh the you know there's no realism here, and I don't have the idea of being in the EOC. Um, but we we saw that there were really realistically people that were having virtual EOCs because they couldn't get together because of COVID. So right. are, are you seeing a, in a, are people embracing our organizations embracing the online training now because it was a reality for them? Well, I think the uh, the online training that we had the biggest challenge with, because we saw it too, when folks would come to 300 live after taking 100 and 200 on their own, there just there wasn't a human aspect to it or an ability to really ask a question. So in our new program, we're going to try to address that. Certainly, universities have been doing it for a long time now. Uh, when I went back and finished up my degree in organizational leadership, I never met my instructor, my professor, never met him. I don't think I ever had an actual phone conversation with them. It was all online, but there was an element of interactivity that made a difference, that ability to email or ask a question in a chat, something like that. So we're going to try to build on what we've learned from the virtual time frame that we've been in for over a year, add that as a value add to the strong material that's already out there and solve that issue of, well, if I just take an online class, I don't know that I'm getting anything out of it. You know, when, uh, when those 
classes were introduced and the idea of having to do, you know, 100, 200, 700, 800, we had millions of people to train and that was the only way to do it. That was the only way to get it done in a timely manner. But if uh, we're thinking about it now, 20 years post 9-11, we do have some other tools and a way to reach folks that one, never really existed, and two, has had to become accepted because we just did it for a year. There is no, it won't work. Every company in the world has now figured out, wow, I can cut costs. I can cut travel costs. I can, you know, not spend $4 a gallon on gas to go to a training or a meeting if we can utilize the technology and not have the internet go out. But guess what? The internet's gonna go out. Right. So what do you do? You drive on, right? You right. you figure out a solution, exactly what we just did, and you drive on and you don't skip a beat. You don't worry about it. Right. Absolutely. Um, we're going to go a little bit longer here because we lost you for a second. And this no last, and I don't want you to, uh, to necessarily get in trouble with, uh, with the feds here, but what can, what can we do? Uh, what can, what can FEMA do to improve their IS courses? I mean, like, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're 1990s technology, it seems like, when you take those courses. Well, I would say that um, the, the courses as they stand are well constructed because they use good methodology to put them together. Uh, if, if anything, any kind of follow-up updating would be good, and I know that can be a challenge when you're talking about as many people as, as we're talking about. Um, I would like to see... Certainly, uh, all of those courses that are in that G category get to kind of the same level of polish and finish. Some of them are there. Most of them are not. But, you know, that takes time. Right. And that takes people. And, uh, and it's, it's a monumental uh, effort to, to get there. I, I do think it addresses adult learning for the most part. But all we have to do is look to our folks in higher ed and what they've been doing now for 10 years, some of those things I think could be uh, implemented if FEMA were wanting to take that on and put on a cadre of their own instructors uh, to, to really do that as a, as a full-time job, just like a professor, you know, for the most part, uh, even if they're an online professor, has that, that stronger relationship with the university or, or that higher ed system uh, to meet standards and that type of thing. That's that's where I would be thinking about going uh, if I were the superintendent and, and kind of taking those things into consideration. Now, on the private side, we're going to do that anyway. So if they take their time, that's fine. We'll have a product for you uh, that'll be ready to go, and we're going to roll that out next month. So that's what's exciting about uh, where we're trying to go and incorporate some of those same measures and ideas. So, Todd, how can people find you? So, the best place to find us is at uh, www.thebluecell.com, just like the big sign in the background, <laughs> thebluecell.com. And uh, from there, uh, you'll be able to get into our online store, some of our um, products that we have, our intellectual property, uh, our Chelsea County website available to folks, um, command school. TTX Vault. We have a number of products that we've built uh, over time. And, and in fact, some of our intellectual stuff has ended up in the new 900 series. I just found our complexity analysis 
in the planning section chief course. So we do try to stay uh, true to the, um, the work that's already out there. We're not trying to go off the rails, but we are trying to give you some alternatives uh, here at thebluecell.com. Um, and so you can check us out there and give us a call or send us an email and, and we'll be happy to, to give you a few ideas about what you have going on and, and how to get better. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I know that we got that little thing cut off, but uh, uh, <laughs> things happen and we, and we move on. And yeah, I mean, just telling you, everybody, it's great. Listen, reach out to Todd. He's awesome. Uh, we've been working together for a few years now and on, on different things. And uh, he's a great guy, number one. And and uh, anybody with the name Todd, like Todd Whitney just chimed in too. Uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, it's a great, it's a name. great name. It's it's an awesome <laughs> it's name. A great name. And if everybody's having children, you can name them Todd as well. And it's a, <laughs> we'll just keep, let's keep it going. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so Thanks, much for Todd. no problem. Thank you everybody for being with us today. And please follow us on your favorite podcast player and and give us a rating too, like five stars would be awesome. Um, just let us know how we're doing. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. Uh, you know all the other social media <laughs> as well as Instagram um, that's out there and again please stay safe you know stay cool and stay hydrated <laughs>